Hello there, Alaskans, wherever you are. Welcome to the Must Read Alaska Show. Coming to you from somewhere in Alaska. This is the place where we talk about, you guessed it, Alaska. Where we keep the mainstream media on their toes and where we are standing up for what's right and a world run by leftists. You can find out more by heading over to mustreadalaska.com and also checking out the Must Read Alaska YouTube channel for some really great content. But first, let's get this party started. Well, welcome aboard, everybody, to the Must Read Alaska show coming to you from somewhere in Alaska. And I happen to be in Skagway today. If any of our readers are in Skagway, I hope you'll look me up because I'll uh, we can go grab a cup of coffee at the Glacial Co Coffee House, which I think is the only place in town that we can grab coffee um, or meet you for a beer over at the Skagway Brew Co. Um, and I just want to thank uh, Charlie Pierce for Governor for sponsoring this uh, podcast. Thank you so much, Charlie Pierce for Governor for sponsoring our podcast. And so for everybody who's tuning in on Facebook, good morning. And uh, for everybody else, you'll be catching us on Apple iTunes and Google Play and all the other providers that John, you, you, you know the whole list by heart, right? Yeah, we're basically anywhere you can find a podcast. We're fortunate enough on Podbean to be the number two uh, government podcast in the whole U.S., which is very exciting. Um, so keep tuning in, keep downloading it. We're actually on iHeartRadio as well, which is awesome, which um, we were able to create a partnership with them, I don't know, six months ago. And, and uh, every week, every month, we seem to be reaching more and more listeners. Uh, yeah, thousands, the, thousands yeah. of listeners. It's fabulous. It's really good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, well, what's going on in Nikiski today? Well, uh, thanks so much for asking. So we uh, we had a cool event uh, last couple of days. The Republican Women of the Kenai, if I'm getting that right. There's a couple out here, Nicholas uh, Baggage. Uh, I think it's and, Kenai Kenai Peninsula Republican Women. KPRW, I think is, I always have to check. There's two of them out there. Yeah, they uh, they hosted them and it was very well received. The governor came out and kind of gave his spiel and his, a little update on what he's doing with the state. And, you know, he's he is liked out here, whether, um, you know, we think he's not doing, you know, all he could be doing sometimes. I think he's, he's well liked out here. So that was, it was a well-received event. Tuckerman Babcock gave, gave a talk about ranked choice voting, which I think is super helpful. I hope that Tuckerman can, you know, he probably doesn't have time, but it'd be awesome if he could go do that all over the state because Tuckerman is one of the smartest people I know in terms of knowing all the rules and the little things about um, not only just the Republican party, but this new ranked choice voting. And so I think he was able to lay it out for folks exactly how it worked. He had, I think, sample ballots for folks to think through and look through on who, who they were going to vote for, if they're going to vote, vote this way, how it would go the right choice voting. And mm -hmm. I think people walked away just hearing some folks that have went there, they walked away feeling like they knew a little bit better on how ranked choice voting went. They went in there not knowing anything about it. So they, um, kudos to the, uh, to this group for putting on this event. It was uh, very fruitful for folks out here on the Kenai. You know, it's really disturbing about that is that you're talking about people who are really engaged with politics. And these are the, the Kenai Peninsula Republican women, their spouses who are associate members often, and other interested people. 
and they don't understand ranked choice voting. Just think about the other people who don't live and breathe politics all the time, who only show up to vote maybe 50% of the time or less and how they're going to figure this out. For instance, if you go into the ballot box in, in the primary and if you try to do ranked choice voting, you're gonna spoil your ballot and your vote's not gonna count because that's not when we're gonna do ranked choice voting. But most people aren't going to know that. They're going to think, oh, I'm supposed to rank these. And they're going to, put, they're going to fill in bubbles all over their ballot and spoil their ballots. Because um, this is a really messy system. It's never been tried anywhere else. It was designed by a couple of smarty pants lawyers who worked for Bill Walker and who um, are in the Lisa Murkowski camp trying to get her reelected. And they just are really messing with uh, with what was a perfectly reasonable good voting system and now we've got a mess on our hands well i want to speaking of messes on our hands before we get to our guest i want to tell everybody that we have some kind of breaking news on mustreadalaska.com this morning which is that uh, in anchorage we are in the middle of an assembly race uh, it's an election for some assembly seats and there's some other things on the ballot as well there's two uh, school board members and then there's a bunch of bond stuff on that ballot but uh, those ballots were supposed to be in the mail on, on March 15th by, by ordinance, by law. And they are uh, unfortunately stuck at the post office in Everett, Washington. People in the, over the weekend said they're not getting their ballots. They haven't gotten their ballots. Now, of course, campaigns spend a lot of money to reach people right, you know, this last week, they spent a lot of money trying to reach people when those ballots arrived. They were doing all kinds of messaging. They had uh, fly leaflets in, in on doors and flyers in mailboxes and ads up on radio stations and they bought social media based on the fact that people were going to receive their ballots on the 16th of March. As of this morning, March 21st, the clerk has received back back in in the election central in Anchorage only 19 ballots. Normally, she would have received thousands of ballots by now, but She's only received 19. So this is a, actually a terrible failure to perform once again for the Anchorage mail-in voting. This happened uh, last time the Anchorage uh, election office ran a, uh, they ran the mail-in voting uh, system for the last Juneau election and 8% of those ballots were thrown out for various reasons. So 8% of Juneau people were disenfranchised in their mail-in only system and now We've cut out, uh, if you had, had to have those in the mail on the 15th, we've lost a week of uh, being able to you know, make sure that people get their ballots. You know, people leave town. I mean, I'm out of town. I'm not gonna be able to vote till I get back. I, I probably don't have a ballot back in my mailbox, but um, these are, are real concerns. So um, I, I mean, I think it's a, an interesting story. It's a breaking story. It's, it has everything to do with Anchorage's future because the assembly that, People are trying to replace right now. They're the ones who brought us this silly system. And, um, and now we're, we're getting to see how that works. Well, we've got a guest on our show today and I'm so excited about this. We have a, a longtime friend, a, a wonderful patriot. And um, we're so excited to welcome Frank Bickford to the show today. Frank, welcome to the Must Read Alaska show. This is your first time on the show. It is, Suzanne. I'm excited to be on your show. and. Uh, not excited about what happened this past weekend, of course, with the passing of Congressman Young, but uh, I'm glad to share some stories with you. Right. And so that's why I asked you to be on the show today is because, um, you know, every, every one of us, I think, 
who's known Congressman Young for generations and you and I have. Um, I've known him, I think I met him when I was in high school uh, because he was a, it was a sort of a brand new congressman in 1973 while well, I was in college then, but uh, he was in the uh, Alaska House of Representatives. So I knew him then. Um, I lived in Juneau, I was in high school. And then um, he went on to be the congressman that I've known for most of my life. I mean, I never actually met Nick Begich the first. He was uh, a big, big important congressman. And let me tell you, they didn't fly back and forth from uh, Washington DC back to Anchorage all the time. And um, I was in Juneau, so he wouldn't have come there anyway. And actually he, uh, Congressman Begich died in 1972 on uh, October 17th, I think it was, the plane went down. Uh, over the Prince William Sound somewhere, it was never found. And so uh, then after that, they had a special election and we've known Congressman Young. And you you worked on one of his campaigns and I wanted to hear about this. So give us uh, an idea of your history with Don Young. Well, I uh, so I first came to Alaska in 1980. Um, I, uh, I'm originally from Miami. That's why I'm a, unfortunately a, a Miami Dolphin fan. Um, and it stuck with me ever since and went to college in upstate New York, State University of New York at Brockport, which is near Rochester, New York, I majored in political science. And um, I worked on several campaigns uh, right out of college. I worked for John Connolly. He ran in the Republican primary in 1980. He unfortunately lost to Reagan, but Reagan was a good, a good choice. And yeah. the folks said, would you want to go to Alaska? I go, Alaska. Mm, sure. I'll go. And, uh, came up here in 1980. I worked for a fellow who was the administrative assistant to Congressman Young and his name was Art Kennedy. And he ran in a primary with Frank Murkowski. Um, several other folks were also running at the time. And, uh, the senator won that race. Uh, my candidate was in second place. And the next day at 24 years old, I said, you know what? I kind of need to keep working. So I went over to Senator Murkowski's office, uh, campaign office, and worked for the senator and went back to D.C. with him. Fast forward four years later, I was hired to be the statewide manager for Congressman Don Young. And that was an interesting campaign because the Democrats couldn't find anybody really to run. And they said, well, there's one person that would probably be really good to run. She's got great name, name ID and her name is Peggy Begich. And so she was the, the wife. Mm -hmm. uh, she was the surviving widow of, of Nick Begich. Begich, yes. Mm -hmm. And she, you know, ran a very formidable campaign. They raised a lot of money. It was the, it was uh, Don's first tough race since he was in, in, in Congress. And it proved to be a very uh, exciting race. The congressman won by about five points, but it was a tough race. You know, um, Reagan was on the ballot. That helped. Um, and, you know, some of the interesting things about Don, when I went to work for him the first day, you know, you do as a campaign manager, you do strategy, you mm -hmm. do fundraising, you do coordination. But he said, Frank, the most important thing I want you to do. I said, yes, sir. What, what, what is that? I want my young man buttons and my young women buttons and those jar openers. I need a bunch of them. I go, <laughs> I said, okay, I will get them. He says, yeah, because Bigford 
we're low. I need a bunch of those like right now. So it was a mm-hmm. big staple for Don Young for years, you know? Yeah. The, yeah. I still have my, um, I'm yeah. a, a young woman button and a, a young, I also have a young man button. I do. Yeah. yeah. And he even used those in his last campaign. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, and the jar openers were a big hit at state fairs and, you know, things like that. So that was a, that was a big deal for, for the Congressman. And then um, as, as you said, you know, f- you know, congressmen, senators weren't flying back and forth from their from their uh, from their districts back to D.C. and forth, especially from Alaska. Right. It's a right. huge travel. And one of the big criticisms of Congressman Young back then, it was a cheap shot, but it was a it was a criticism was, oh, my God, he has a terrible voting record. Well, so I was um, 25 years old at the time. And of course, he wasn't here because he was back in D.C., and so Peggy Begich and I debated each other at a small church that's still near the park strip. I don't remember the name of the church. I think it was Methodist or I'm yeah, not. Really- there's a pres- there's a Presbyterian church there. There's a, a Southern Baptist church there. there. There's a Methodist church there, too. Me- yeah, I think it was a Methodist church. Mm-hmm. And so uh, there's about 30 people at the debate and two of the people in the front row were Mark Begich and Tom Begich. And they were young. They, I, I think oh, they were, yeah. you know, and I'm standing there with, with Peggy and uh, she lodges this hit, you know, Congressman Young, worst voting record in the United States Congress. And I looked at her and I said, Miss Begich, I got to tell you, it's kind of hard to be in Washington, D.C. representing Alaska in the sense of he likes to go back to his constituents. So when he does, he's going to miss some votes, right? And and uh, I said, you can't have it both ways. He comes back mm-hmm. to Alaska to see his constituents. And when he goes back to D.C., he's voting for Alaska. So we kind of diffused that argument a little bit. But that was a big hit on him. Um, and you know, so back that- then, so, so back then, just to interrupt you for a second, sure. uh, Frank, it's um, it, it's not like we had flights back to DC multiple times a day of like right. we we now have lots of ways we can get back to DC every day but mm-hmm. back then we really didn't and um in fact i i suppose there might have been maybe one flight a day and there were weather considerations and i mean it was you know 1984 it was still um it was still a little bit harder to travel and we we take all the stuff for granted now mm-hmm. absolutely and you know and he would do you know you know, and you have to do that. But back then he was a little, I got to tell you, he, I don't really think he likes flying small airplanes, uh, you know, and I, and he did it because he had to, but you know, when, when baggage passed, of course he died in a small airplane. Right. So yeah. that was interesting, but um, you're absolutely right. It was tough, but he did it. And one of the big things that Don did was he was very, uh, very representative of rural Alaska. You know, the Alaska native um, vote was very important to him. His wife at the time was Lou Young, was Alaska native, right? And he was very, uh, very representative of the, of, of the Alaska rural area. And so he would go back there as much as he could. And they were always important to him during election night because their votes would come in near the end. And in elections that that occurred after 1984, you know, that was an important block of votes, always a very important block of votes. Well, yeah, Frank, he, was, he was never a landslider, right? He just, he never won anything much by landslide. 
you know, the only time we ever won by major, major uh, landslide, maybe proportions was later in his career. You know, I, I think that, you know, I think he did very well against Dunbar. He did very well uh, against Galvin. They weren't huge, huge numbers, but they were bigger than his previous races. And then he had some interesting races, you know, so Sean Parnell's dad was a very independent type of politician back in the day. And he ran against Don Young. Well, wasn't he a Democrat? He was a Democrat. And Don, the one election he ran against him, I think Don got 70% of the vote. And Parnell, his name was Pat Parnell. He got 30%. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Frank, I think I I love the stories. I I have a question for you. I know that everybody has their kind of favorite Don Young story since you've known him for so long. You know, share with our folks one of your favorite personal stories that uh, you have with Don Young. Um, what's one of your favorite memories of him and you? Well, the first week of the campaign, besides the fact that I had to go get jar openers and buttons, right? He, he actually came to town to uh, speak at the, uh, at the, at the Hilton at the chamber of commerce luncheon. And as he's walking in, there's a field of protesters, you know, with signs and uh, very active, very vocal. And um, somebody supposedly heard him say, well, they're a bunch of communists. <laughs> Those folks are a bunch of communists. And so I'm at headquarters, I'm not at the, at the event, and my phone is ringing off the hook, right? And there's reporters are calling me, you know, Bigford, what's this thing that he called these folks communists? I go, wait a second, hold on. First of all, he didn't call them communists. He said like-minded folks that believe in tearing down America, those folks, I believe, are communists. But the people that protested aren't. Um, And the congressman called me after it happened. And he said, Bickford, he said, never apologize for me. I said, Congressman, I didn't apologize for you. You weren't here. You were at the event. He said, "Okay, I understand. It's good. So he was... uh, you know, you know, Don was combative um, in, in a good way. And uh, it's it's interesting if you read or talk to some of the folks that ran against him, you know, Don was always cordial, you know, and uh, even with a lot of the folks that ran recently, he was very cordial with them. And but when it was in the in the in the time of an election, you know, it's like a football game or a baseball game. He just did you know the best he could during that time frame. But when it was off in terms of off camera or not during a debate situation, he was very friendly with his opponents and, um, uh, and very much, I believe a constituent type Congressman, because there was a lot of instances where people needed help and versus a lot of other national elected officials, he took the time to do that. And he didn't care if you were a Democrat, Republican, independent, he was just very fair when he did those kinds, you know, that kind of representation. You know, one of the one of my uh, one of my memories of Don Young, I was when I was the chief of staff for the borough, we had some issue that we were dealing with and we were reaching out to Sullivan's office and Murkowski's office and Don Young's office. And uh, we would get we got a call back from Sullivan's and Murkowski's office and it was one of their staffers. And I pick up the phone. Uh, Pam, our receptionist, says we got somebody from Don Young's office on line one. I pick up the phone. It's Don Young. He's like, he, he called personally to see what the heck the Kenai Peninsula Borough uh, needed help with. And 
Um, there's probably not too many congressmen out there that do that kind of stuff. So for sure. Yeah. You know, it's, um, it's interesting because, um, he, he knew so many people and he, he had such a big footprint in history for us because think about him, uh, being the mayor of Fort Yukon and then going to the Alaska house. And then, and then since, uh, then he of course ran for house and, and lost, but uh, for U.S. House and lost, but then was then ran again, and won, 1973, sworn in on March 14th, 1973. And I think some of the some of the things around the calendar are really interesting. So you had Nick Begich's plane going down on October 17th, on the way to Juneau, and he died. And then the next March, March. 14th, Don Young being sworn in. And then this year you have Don Young dying on a plane, essentially on his way back to Ketchikan, then Juno. He had an event in Juno. Um, and, you know, it, it's uh, in, in March, just four days after his, his 50th anniversary, or his 40, yeah, he's, yep. he started his 50th year uh, as congressman. And, um, you know, really, I look at it and I, I see that he kind of went out the way he wanted to go out because he, mm-hmm. he, he just, he wanted to serve Alaska all his days and he did. And, yep. and he didn't suffer. He died suddenly. He, uh, it was, a it was, you know, a rather instantaneous kind of a situation. He didn't linger. And I mean, my goodness, what a incredible legacy. Absolutely. Yeah. He, you know, I saw him late last year and, and he, you know, always active, always engaged. Uh, you know, if he wasn't, if he wasn't in Congress in in these later years, I think it, it would have been detrimental to him because he was so much a, so much he cared for Alaska so much, and he wanted to work for Alaska. So, yeah, yeah you're right. I mean, he, yeah, he knew he had to do one thing. He knew how to work for Alaska. I don't know what he would have done if he had retired either. He, that wouldn't have been a good thing. He wouldn't have played golf. I don't think so. He did like the guy's a workaholic. Yes, very much so. Very much so. Yeah, he was always involved, always involved, always wanted to help people. And and always, you know, like you said, you know, think about how many presidents he served under. It's amazing. You know, I mean, all the way back to Nixon. Yeah. Yeah. And that includes, you know, a lot of people think Nixon was impeached and actually Nixon wasn't impeached, although there was a great threat of impeachment, but he resigned before he could be impeached. But he did live through three other impeachments and that was the mm-hmm. impeachment of Bill Clinton and then the two impeachments of, of um, Donald Trump. So you, you think about the kind of history that he saw, uh, you know, he wasn't in Congress during the 64 earthquake, but he, he was in Alaska for that. He was in Fort Yukon. And so he goes, he goes way back in our history and we, you know, we won't ever forget him. We won't ever forget Don Young. And my goodness, I certainly, uh, my, my prayers are, are really going out for his family and for Anne, yeah. who's got a, a great burden on her plate. Now, what happens next? Um, I, I don't know all the details, but I am hearing there's going to be, that he's either going to lie in state in the rotunda in the Capitol, which I'm right now hearing that Nancy Pelosi has refused to allow that to happen. And she said as a compromise, she would allow him to lie in repose 
in the statuary hall, which is in like the west wing of the US Capitol. And then there would be a, a service for him or, or a memorial for him for Congress members and, uh, his, and his family. And then a separate one in Washington for staff and for friends, lobbyists, uh, associates, and anybody who wants to fly back from Alaska to Washington for that, which is um, still uncertain. I'm, I'm hearing the dates are between the 28th and the 30th. And then back here in Anchorage, there will be a service at Anchorage Baptist Temple. And his, his remains will be returned to the state. I understand he'll be cremated. So we will have a chance to go and, and pay our respects there as well if we can't make it back to D.C. And not, not all of us can. I'm, I'm kind of looking at it and weighing whether or not I can afford to do it myself. And then uh, the governor, of course, has a big decision here to make. And, he, and today he will announce at 1130 this morning kind of what the path forward is. And it's a difficult path forward. He can't just appoint somebody to that seat, even though here it is in March and we don't really have representation right now. We have no representation in Congress and we, we won't until we get through a special primary and a special general election. And I think today at 11.30, he's going to describe just how difficult this is going to be in terms of the logistics, because you've got to get those ballots out to the overseas voters, the military voters, uh, 45 days before the election is you know, set. So the primary cannot be until at least May 24th. That's a Tuesday. That's about the earliest you could do it. And I don't even know if, uh, if you if anybody read the story that I wrote over the weekend on Sunday with the paper shortage, I don't even know if we can do it that early. There is a severe paper shortage across the nation and all election offices are, ha are having a real hard time finding paper to print ballots and paper for the envelopes uh, that the ballots go in. So uh, the governor will have to take a look at that. And uh, I have heard that the lieutenant governor is very concerned that we can actually pull this off with a special election that requires not one, but two. Under ballot measure two, we have to do two elections just to get a temporary person. So to be clear, everybody, we have two elections happening. It'll be the permanent election for you know, the regular election in uh, August 16th, which is the primary and then the general in November. But before that, we have to find a temporary person. And that temporary person is a special election, which according to ballot measure two, has to be a primary and a general. And so um, when I was talking to the administration this morning, I was getting the impression that they don't think that we will be able to have a representative until at least mid-August. And that is because the governor cannot appoint somebody by uh, US constitution, that person has to be elected in a special election. And um, that when I talked to the administration, they cited the section of the US constitution that I was unaware of, but that person, either a Senator or Congressman, they have to be uh, elected to that position. So we'll find out more today. And if you check on Must Read Alaska later, we'll have a lot of details about how that, that goes forward. But in the meantime, you should definitely look at the stories that I wrote over the weekend, because I think I, they're, gonna, they're gonna tell you a whole lot about uh, what the actual calendar, the realities of the calendar, the realities of staff shortages for the Division of Elections, the fact that, that elections offices all over the state, all over the nation, in fact, I was talking to somebody in the Matsu borough and they're having a special election that involves um, 
oh, they want to pass an ordinance to create term limits of the Matsu. They can't find paper. And so this is a real issue for everybody. Um, but uh, we'll have more on that later today. Any other questions for our, our guests, John? Well, Frank, what, uh, what do you think uh, you're going to remember Congressman Don Young most for? I would have to say just the fact that he was such uh, an advocate for our state. You know, he just was an amazing advocate and um, just so much involved uh, on so many issues and so knowledgeable on issues. Um, I don't know if we'll ever have anybody like him again. I don't know. You know, our, our congressional delegation, you know, uh, you know, they do a good job. I think that Don Young uh, was the champion of that delegation and um, he's going to be hard to replace. That's what I remember that. You know what I'm going to remember him most for is I just appreciate the, um, the fact that he was himself. He didn't go around apologizing for the way that he was. I, you know, the, I, there were some things that he said that I might not have said, but Don Young was old school. He was raised in a certain, in a certain era and he never, I think it's great right now. Everybody's always apologizing. And I just appreciate the fact that he just went through and he didn't apologize. He didn't apologize for the knife incident with John Boehner. He just, he just kind of kept moving on. And I think that's a, uh, in politics, you start apologizing and man, I tell you it's over. And he, he knew that better than anybody. So he just kept moving and, and, um, lived to fight another day. He was quite a fighter and, yeah. uh, just, uh, I, I admired him and I'm going to miss him. And I, I think we're all processing our grief in a different way. Frank, are you going to go back to the memorial service? Do you think? I don't know. You know, we're in session. I, you know, I'm here in Juneau. Uh, I don't think I'll be able to, but uh, I, I will definitely try to go uh, for sure to the ABT uh, services. Yeah. Yeah, uh, well, we'll see, you, we'll see you there, at least for sure. So for everybody, this is the end of our show. And if you're, uh, we really want to thank um, Governor, uh, um, Charlie Pierce for Governor for sponsoring our show, right, John? Is that, is that how we say it? We say Charlie Pierce for Governor is our, is our show sponsor. Yep. And, uh, for, and for everybody else who uh, is tuning in, check us out uh, on mustrealaska.com. It's the conservative side of the news. We have probably four or five news stories every day. We have columnists. I've got a bunch of fresh content coming up later today and uh, especially stories about what's going to happen in this very, very unusual situation with Don Young's passing and how we are going to end up trying to find a, a new temporary and a, and a permanent replacement for our Congressman for Life, Don Young. So until next week, we're signing off from somewhere in Alaska. Thanks folks. <laughs>